Blog Talk Radio. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the president and founder of the West Foundation. West, 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 Working people's success. What we want, what we want, what we want to do is we want to impart on these young people that we have opportunity to, uh, to coach, coach, coach. That you got to work every day. You got to work every day to be successful. You can't take any days. You can't take any days off. Even when you don't feel like getting it done, you got to get out there and do it. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with West Foundation Sports Talk Show. Welcome. It is May 18th. But believe it or not, we are halfway through the fifth month of the year. It is almost June. Wow, this year is flowing by. And the good thing is uh, we're able to start to get back outside a little bit more, which is a good thing. And uh, we're definitely loving it, definitely loving it. But, hey, welcome um, the West Foundation. To my first-time listeners, you may be asking yourself, who is the West Foundation? What, is, what are their purpose? The West Foundation, we are a nonprofit, and our goal is to help kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, we want them to chase their dreams because I believe there's so much that they can learn from chasing their dreams. But at the same time, we want to equip them with tools that will help them be successful. And I think one of the biggest things um, in order to be successful is education. Everybody is not going to fit into the same square. Some are going to head to college. Some might go to some type of trade school. But there's still going to be some type of education involved in there. So education is extremely important. Now, Big part of the reason why, you know, it's almost June, why that's so important is we have our major event the last weekend in June. We have a free football and cheerleading camp. So for all rising third or rising eighth graders, come on out. It's free. And then another thing that we're able to do this year, we're partnering with a young man um, with a, his group, which is called Carson Cleats, and we're going to be able to provide all of our pre-registered campers a new or slightly used pair of cleats or sneakers. Um, so we definitely urge everybody to get out and pre-register so we can make sure that we get your shoe size and, and everything else and we can make sure we have a pair of shoes for you. Um, we are also having the first weekend in June, we're having a golf tournament. So if you're a golfer, come on down. We're going to play at the Hackler, uh, which is on Coastal Carolina's campus. You can 
go ahead and go to www.wesffc.com, and you can register there. You register your team there. If you are a small business and you'd like to get a, a TB, a T-Box sponsor, or any other type of sponsor, um, you can definitely do that. Uh, first, a big thank you um, to our tournament sponsor, Firehouse Subs, and uh, the franchise owner, Larry Chandler. We're also going to have uh, another platinum sponsor by Nano Air Solutions. We want to thank them for that. And then we got a few other sponsors that uh, we're going to have as well. So we're looking forward to seeing all those sponsors. We're looking forward to having that great crowd. We are also planning on doing an online auction. And uh, we're looking to have a great time. Go out there, hit the little white ball, raise a little bit of money for these kids in our community, and, and get ready to roll. But besides just the camp, and, of course, the golf tournaments to help raise money for the camp and some of the other things that we're going to do, what else is the West Foundation going to do? Well, one thing is we're going to have some different clinics throughout the year. We're going to do basketball. We're going to get to soccer. We're going to do baseball. Um, eventually, we're going to get to golf. We're going to get to tennis, just different things. And then also, we're going to do some life skill seminars. Normally, we, we tie one of these clinics with a seminar. What do we want to talk about? We want to talk about different life skills, things that are going to help these kids be successful. I mean, you want to get one body, so overall nutrition is one of the things that we definitely talk about. But I think maybe the biggest one for me is financial literacy. Uh, we want these young people and their parents to learn about finances from everything, from credit to budgeting to real estate to life insurance, life insurance as an asset, to stocks, bonds, mutual funds. All these things are important to learn, um, and, and really the earlier you learn it, the more, or should I say, the, the, the better you're going to be with your money. Because it doesn't matter if you make $40,000 a year or $40 million a year. If you're not financially literate, you're going to end up broke, and we don't want that. Um, then we're also going to talk about mental health, mental wellness, um, character development leadership development, interaction with police officers, etiquette, just different things that we think are very important in the maturation and success of the young kids that we have opportunities to touch. So we have a lot of things that we're planning on doing and definitely looking for the support of the community. Now, I always like to start off with a thought of the day. And my thought of the day is failure isn't final. You know, I was asked earlier, you know, how did this come about, uh, of this thought? And last night I had an opportunity to run into one of my old players. His name was Bay Amron. He played for me at the Citadel. And as we was talking, you know, one of the ladies that was with him was like, Coach, we need to help these kids or get these kids to understand that failure isn't bad. It doesn't define them. And she was referring to at times when a kid takes a test and he doesn't do well on it, he considers himself a failure. Well, it's not necessarily that you're a failure, you just failed that test. So that sort of shows what you need to work on. So you, you yourself are not a failure, but you failed at that particular thing. But the thing is, 
a failure sort of shows you where you got to work. You know, a lot of times in athletics, when you lose, you have more to learn than when you win. Now, still, I believe when you win, you can always find something to get better at. But it seems like it's more prevalent when you lose. So back when I was at UTSA, we either won or we learned. We didn't even use the word lose. It's like, hey, this is an opportunity to learn. But see, here's one thing that that I also think is very true, that it's hard to call something a failure if you learn from it. But the key is I got to learn from it. You know, a lot of times I'm sure you've heard that experience is the best teacher. That is true to an extent because if you don't learn from that experience, then that isn't a great teacher. So learned experiences are the best teachers. So I got to learn from it. So when I have a situation, I have a bad experience, I have to ask myself, what can I do to be better in that situation? Is that going to allow me or what can I do to grow from this situation? Because really when you, when you have a, a failed situation or a bad experience, you're really gonna, two things are going to happen. I'm either going to get better or I'm going to get better. I'm either going to learn from it or I'm going to fall back from it. And the great ones, regardless of what profession they're in or what sport they're in, the great ones learn from the setbacks. And there's a quote, when failure is your friend, you don't ask, how can I distance myself from this experience? Instead, you ask, why did this happen? What can I learn? How can I grow from this? As a result, you fail fast, learn fast, and get to try again fast. And I think there's so much truth to that because if you have never failed at anything, you haven't tried at anything because sooner or later you're going to fail. And But that failure is an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to grow. And the key is you have to look at it that way. If I just look at it as an obstacle or something in my path, you, you're setting yourself up to stop trying. And when you stop trying, now – instead of that particular deal becoming a failure, then you're moving towards that failure status. So you can't ever quit. Don't ever quit. Napoleon Hill says, before success comes in any man's life, he is sure to meet with much temporary defeat and perhaps some failure. When defeat overtakes a man, the easiest and most logical thing to do is quit. And one of the things that, that I truly believe, because I have it actually engraved in my, in my class ring, is winners never quit and quitters never win. Because when you quit, how can you possibly have any chance of winning? Even though I might not be moving as fast as anybody else, I'm not going to quit. Because I'm going to learn from the experiences, the good and the bad. And most of the time you learn more from the bad but you got to keep rolling. Now, today I have a, a young man that played for me. It's actually his second time being being on the show as my co-host. This is Jalen Rose. Jalen, how's everything going? How are you doing? Everything's going well. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back. Hey, man, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for joining us again. 
Uh, I always like to ask, what do you think of the thought of the day? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's a great thought. I mean, experiencing failure does a lot for your life, so I'm right there with you. I'm all aboard with the message. Um, it's It's a great thing to apply to your life, just learning from your experiences and learning where you fall short and just improving yourself overall. You know, that's, that's, that's what I got from it. Right. Definitely. 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 Now, um, you all had a spring season, right? Yes, sir. Correct. Correct. How did the spring season go? Um, it, it, it went well. Uh, I believe we had a lot of uh, growing pains. We worked out a lot of kinks and things, you know, our, our records, our record may have not shown how well it went, but, when you get back into the uh, the film room and you you put on the tape and you see how how hard the guys fought and how everything came together schematically and just technique wise, there was a lot of upside to the season. So I was very very proud of our guys throughout the spring season. Good, good, good. good. The uh, now when did you all start practice? Ooh, we started in the fall and then you know COVID happened and then we went home. Came back. Some other weather things happened. There was a, a hurricane. There was tornadoes. Mm-hmm. So we shut things off again. Came back, and then I think we had some more weather issues with the ice. So practice was kind of spotty. Can't really give you a day of when we started because we stopped and started so often throughout the year. But I mean, I think we had probably four good solid weeks of practice and maybe not even that because there was still probably some incidents that kept us from practicing. So it was just, it was, it was really hectic to, to get on the field and get some work in this year. Right. Right. And your first game was what in March or was it February? Yes. March, I believe. No, 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 February, February. Sorry. It was in February, sir. Right. So you started in the January. Right. Gotcha. Well, good. Good, good, good. Now, uh, are those guys out of school already for the summer? Yes, they are. They uh, finished finals probably a week or two ago. Some guys got out earlier than that. Right. Now, you all going to have everybody back for the summer? Uh, we, we plan on it. I know there's still some restrictions going on with COVID and uh, having – the whole team on campus. So, I mean, according to CDC guidelines or whatever guidelines that we have to follow, it still depends. I know we won't be allowed to have every single athlete on campus. For real? Wow. Okay. Yes. Still some some things are still restricting us. Right. Right. Okay. That's interesting. That is interesting. And I imagine even if, well, if everybody – that's staying on campus or that's on campus to work out? On campus to work out at one time. So, um, And I do believe that there's a certain amount of number of students that can stay on campus. So if you're off, if you're off campus, it, we, we would just have to schedule the appropriate time for you to, to show up and work out and everything like that. But I just don't believe that we, we still can't hold like a, a team setting where every individual on the team is present. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, are you all doing any uh, 
camps this summer, or what does that can look like? Uh, yes, we are doing camps. We have two camps this summer. I believe we're uh, looking to plan a third. Um, I'm not sure much of the camp structure. This will this will be my first uh, first year doing any of the summer camps within the Southland Conference or for NSU. So it will be my first experience. I'm excited to see what it'll be like, but I'm not really sure how the how it's formatted out here. Right. So if you need me to come out there and work some camps, just let me know. Oh, of course. I would love to. Love to have you. uh, Which I'm sure that you and and every other coach is excited because you finally, on June 1st, get an opportunity to get some kids on campus. Uh, Because I don't think kids have been on campus since January 2020, right? Right. Yeah, that's uh, the dead period has been, it's been something. There's been a lot of restrictions, you know. So it'll it'll be exciting once that comes around and we're we're able to get guys on campus and show them what we truly are as a program and things like that. I'm sure every coach in America feels the same yeah. way. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And then the crazy thing is, when do the freshman report? Uh, I don't even have an exact date. I think. That was pushed back as well, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to, I don't want to misquote or say anything wrong, but I think that was something that was brought up in our recent meeting. So, I'm I'm not sure. The, excuse me. The big thing about that is those freshmen. Uh, I would imagine most of them have never been on campus before. True. Very true. And they haven't met any of the staff in person. Nope, haven't had the opportunity to unless something via Zoom or, yeah, unless there was a Zoom call made, a conference Zoom call. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. So you're going to be meeting your freshmen for the first time when they arrive, which I'll imagine be sometime in June. Um, the first Correct. time you actually uh, meet them. Face. Yep. That'll be a so you it'll be an interesting interesting situation, but I'm I'm ready for it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I would imagine that uh that those kids are excited as well and and ready to get rolling. But uh it's it's definitely crazy just thinking that you're getting ready to coach a kid that you've never met in person. Um and hey, but now you got the twenty two to get ready to come on campus. Well that's a good thing. That is a good thing. The um now we'll uh when is the have you already looked at the start of the season, what that looks like? Date wise? Uh date wise, no. I mean, it's been released. I know I skimmed through it uh earlier last month, but no, I haven't I haven't looked at it recently. Right, is it the end of end of July, beginning of August when you all report? Yes, sir. Now, end of are J- you all July. End of July. So you are in the same yes, rules where you all get twenty nine days before the first game, right? Yes, I believe and that is the twenty nine days. Right, right. So that'd be the. Uh, I imagine that's the end of July. 
in the July. Now, you all, uh, are they planning to go back to a full schedule next year? Or the fall? Oh, well, yes. So it will be a full schedule, but for the Southland Conference, it'll be a little different because I believe four teams have left the conference, so we'll be playing double games. We'll play McNeese twice, Nichols twice, and I'm forgetting the third university, but yes, we'll have the the Southland Commerce will have to play double matchups against each other for a while until we get more individuals interested in the uh, the conference to come join. Now, why are people leaving the conference? Uh, that I, I'm not sure. Uh, just listening to older members that have been involved with the Southland the Southland Conference for years, I guess just just not happy with the situation or believe that they could do better. I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily sure. I don't I don't have any contact with any of the other schools, so I'm not sure. But I I do know that it's the majority of the Texas schools, if not all of the Texas schools. So, is that um. Who all is that? I can't think of any of them. Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State. <laughs> Abilene Christian. Um, UIW is not leaving. They're staying. Okay. Uh, I'm 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 losing my train of thought. I I can't for the second right. remember the last. Where, where are they going? Are they just going independent, or what are they doing? I'm honestly not sure. It is, I have no clue. I don't know if they're joining. They might be joining the WAC or forming their their own or oh, so, so they're, becoming they're independent. I mean, maybe division FBS. Yes, sir. Maybe all, all I know is that I heard that they were leaving, and immediately my focus was just. I really oh, just kind of get out on the conversation because it didn't it didn't make sense to me on why they would just exit out of the conference. So, right, right. You say, hey, that's above my pay grade. I'm not worried about. It. I'm just going to worry about who I have to prepare for. <laughs> exactly. So, well, cool. Not my job. Mm-hmm. Not my problem. <laughs> yep. The um, now, how many of your guys in your position uh, are taking advantage of the opportunity to come back for another year? Uh, every single one of them. Well, good. Good. Now, how many scenes did you have this year? I I was not fortunate to have one senior. The oldest in my room was a junior. And he gets to do his junior year over again. Yes, sir. That's, cool. Well, cool. I, I think that's now, quite an the, amazing rule. Yeah. Well, well here's the... Here's the drawback to that rule in my mind. Um, this year, the seniors get a year on the NCAA. The juniors, on the other hand, um, they can get it. They get another year, but the school's got to determine whether I keep him or sign a freshman because now I still get the same number of scholarships. Well, this year, those those seniors are, are added scholarships. That's just free, um, and it's pretty much what you can afford. But next year, it's I'm back to my 63, and that's all you get. 
So there's going to be a lot of unhappy people in the future, what it seems yep. like. Yeah, because then it, huh? do you go in and tell him to, to move on, or do you tell a freshman, hey, I'm not going to sign you. I want you to walk on, and then when this guy graduates, we'll put you on scholarship. Or he's just going to go yeah. somewhere else. So it's going to be interesting. It is going to be like the true nature of competition is coming back. Yep. You got to show your work. Yep. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I think that uh, from a recruiting standpoint, there's going to be some kids that might fall a little bit. And then uh, the Power Five and the FCS are going to get some better quality kids. Again, you know, if you Alabama, well, Alabama probably don't count because they, they guys try to leave early anyway. But but if you had a, a Vanderbilt um, and you had a guy that could come back for for another year or you can go sign a freshman, you know, to, in my mind, I know what this guy can do. I'm not sure what the freshman can do. So if I if it's close, I'm probably gonna keep my upperclassmen. Um, which somewhere along the way is probably gonna mess up the the uh, the balance of the classes for each team. Just a thought. That makes sense. We'll see how it that's, works out. That's a strong point. We'll see how it Never works out now. Well. While we're talking about that, I think another thing that's going to happen is a lot of these kids, which still is going to affect the freshmen or the seniors, are going to say, hey, all right, I haven't played a lot here, so I'm going to jump in the transfer portal and go somewhere else. Yes. So that, too, can cause a, a freshman to possibly get overlooked. But there is a there's a running debate between me and a couple of my boys, so I'm gonna I want to hear your take on it. What are your thoughts on the transfer portal? I think it's I think it's good and I think it's bad. Uh, I'll explain the good part because I think it's a good option for for guys who see value in themselves and aren't necessarily getting that true shot, that true opportunity to compete. I mean, everyone says one thing, but you don't know what the situation is until you get there. And then how I think it is bad, it's pretty much just you're you're giving some athletes an escape from competition, some athletes an escape from hard work. You're giving them uh, an, avenue, an, an avenue to go chase the perfect situation when sometimes there is no perfect situation. You have to sit there and work through what you have and grind until you receive the rewards you want or accomplish the goals that you want. So, I, I mean, I think there's a good and bad with it, but it's just it's, – it's, it's, it's tough to talk about because a guy can get into the transfer portal and he can never leave, and then there's his, there's his career. Or a guy can get in and he can find a home the next day. So, it's, it's, a, it's a big play on chance. Yep. It's, it's just yep. it's tricky. Yes. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. We had a athletic director that was on probably about a month ago, month and a half ago, and if I remember correctly, he said about sixty percent of the guys that go in the transfer border don't find a home. Ah, that's too high. Left 
Um, so that's crazy. Uh, I'm going to take a chance where more often than not, I'm not going to find a home. That's crazy. And I think I was on the transfer portal not too long ago. Right. I think there's over 20,000 names. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. A lot. Kids. Talking about 20,000 names for. I think you got all of college football. 30. I think there was. How many, how many FCS schools are there? That's what Google's for. <laughs> well, I would imagine it's probably about 100. 127. 127. So you got 127, 132, um, let's say 100, uh, 260. Then you probably got another, I'm going to say 150 Division two schools. Um, so you're talking about 400 schools for 20,000 players. It's not enough spots. Not enough uh, spots. How long has the trans the transfer quarter has been open for four years? Yeah, probably about four years. But the rules changed last year, and, and to me, that's that's part of the issue. The rule now is they don't have to tell you as a coach anything. They can just jump in and go and leave yeah. tomorrow, Ooh. and be eligible to play in the fall, which is crazy. So that's, yeah, it's, that's. it's one thing to, okay, hey, I'm not happy here for such and such reason. All right, I'm a, I want to leave, okay? So you don't have to tell the man that you're playing for, whether it's position coach or head coach, anything, you just leave. I mean, what are we teaching our kids? Uh, I agree with that. And then not to mention what you said earlier about the competition. Um, Hey, I lost this competition, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Okay, you still got to compete when you get there. It's not like competition is is just going to quit showing its face. You got to compete. That's my soapbox, man. That's my soapbox. Unfortunately, it is about 12 guys versus one. And their argument is, their argument is if coaches can just leave, players should be able to leave. I, I agree with that, but to a certain extent, because it's, it's more of a business for coaches. So, I believe, like, if they're trying to advance their career, if they're doing what's best for them in the interest of feeding their family and and achieving their dreams and their goals, then, then yes, they should take the next available opportunity that puts them in the, in the position to do so. But as for kids, I think, and players, I think this situation is completely different and it's handled improperly. 
you you could do more damage to yourself than actual helping yourself, which is what you're trying to do by jumping in the portal. So I think there's there's more cons to it when you, when you look at it from a from a certain aspect as as far as uh, the player's point of view. If you look at it from how your friends are viewing it, in my opinion. Right. Mhm. And one of the things there um, is that hey, graduation. I can transfer, but how many of your hours are going to transfer with you? There's a ninety percent chance all of them aren't going to transfer. So that might put you in school for another year or semester. And then what? Who says that that school's going to pay for it? Very true. And I mean, it's pretty fact. And then I'm I'm anxious to see in in four years when you look at the numbers. Um, and of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But in four years, when we look at these numbers, what do they look like? And then the question is: Will they blame it on COVID, or are they going to blame it on the portal? Questions, questions, questions. Now, I got more questions than I have answers. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> hey, but sometimes you got to ask those questions. Get people thinking. Very true. Very true. Yeah, but, hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Hold on. Today, more than ever, we think about the air our family breathes. You and your family need to count on your home's air to be clean, free from harmful bacteria, and safe from the coronavirus. Nano air filters are the defense system your home HVAC system needs. Our filter media is created with a super fine spider-like material which captures particles as small as the virus. Standard home filters are just far too porous to do the job. So make the healthy choice and upgrade your air filters today by visiting nanoairsolutions.com.
Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands, the West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and I have my co-host, Jalen Rhodes here. Jalen, um, is, is basketball playoff time already? Now, first of all, it seemed like we just finished with basketball yes, playoffs. Yes, sir. Um, I know. Because it was four months ago when we had the, had the finals. Yes, sir, and, in the bubble. And that, I, I don't remember. Did they have a playoff? Did they have a play-in game last year? Or is this the first year of the playing game? No. This is the first year of the playing tournament. This is the first year. Of the, now, the playing tournament, you got the Hornets and the Pacers, which the Pacers are up right now 20 to 7 over the Hornets. You got Washington and Boston. So, who do you, well, first of all, let's talk about the Hornets and the play, Pacers. Who do you think you, who you got there? Right now, of course, the uh, Pacers are, are making a, Big show, but as you know, in basketball, thirteen points is nothing, even in the fourth quarter. But uh, who oh, you have for sure. the Hornets? Well, I'm a fan of Levar Ball and the Big Baller brand, so I'm gonna have to go with the Hornets. I'm rooting for Lamelo. I would love to see him do great and finish off his rookie year in style. So, the Hornets. Hornets, it is. Well, hey. They are, they are closer to me. Um, they're closer to me because it's right up the road. So I'm, I'm gonna go with you on the Hornets. But the Pacers are, are, are getting it done right now. The um, how about the Washington and Boston? Washington and Boston. 
I'd say Washington. Uh, Bradley Beal's been playing really well in my eyes, and then you know Russell Westbrook just broke the uh, the triple double record. Oscar Robinson's triple double record with 182. So, and plus I enjoy watching that tandem play. So I'm gonna have to go with the Wizards. That's 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 my pick. What about you? Well, you know, Boston has a history on their side. But Westbrook, Westbrook is, he's on fire right now. And wouldn't it be something, the first year of the playing game, that one of these playing teams go and win the final? And I think if anybody's going to do it, it's either going to be him or the team that we're going to talk about later. Um, but I'm going to go and go with Washington as well. Now, what about the Spurs and the Grizzlies? Spurs and the Grizzlies. Well, not a fan of either team. I haven't paid attention to either team uh, throughout the season. But I did spend five years in San Antonio. So I've heard <laughs> and seen enough of the Spurs to be a, to uh, cheer them on. Two opponents, I'm going to have to go with the Spurs. I hope they, uh, I hope they get it done and advance to the next round or, or level? Well, I'm going to be, even though I was there, um, I stayed in the Holiday Inn when I was at Memphis, so I'm going with Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one that most people want to see, this is the one that there'll be a lot of eyes glued to it, the Lakers and the Warriors. It's a tough one, but did I lose you? Hello? All right, I think I lost him. I think I lost him. Um, but, hey, for me, I got to go with the Warriors. I got to go with the Warriors. Steph Curry is on fire right now. Um, and really the big thing with the Lakers you have to ask, how healthy is LeBron? Had a high ankle sprain, which in football, a high ankle sprain can keep you out for four, six, I've seen seven, eight weeks, uh, depending on how high it is. So in basketball, when you have to do a lot of jumping, and, and, and LeBron is more of a power guy, how is that ankle going to hold up? How is he, being that he hasn't played a lot in the last couple of weeks, from a breath standpoint, um, how is he going to be? I know LeBron's LeBron, and he's going to do what he can, and he's going to bring everybody around him up with him, and they're going to play harder just because he's on the floor. I'm not doubting that at all. But can LeBron be any resemblance of LeBron with a high ankle sprain? That is the question. And if he's not LeBron, um, and all of a sudden he can't be on the floor for 40-plus minutes, then can they beat the Warriors? That is the question. With a red-hot 
and I mean red hot, Steph Curry. Because Steph Curry is on fire right now. Um, now, on the Warriors' side, you have to ask, do they have enough help or does Steph Curry have enough help to get them over the top? It's a great question. And I guess part of that is how healthy is LeBron? Because all of a sudden, if LeBron isn't LeBron, now that sort of changes what you do from a defensive standpoint if you're the Golden State Warriors. And uh, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And I'm definitely looking forward um, to to watching that game. But um, uh, hopefully uh, Coach Rhodes will be able to call back in and and we can get his pick for that one. But uh, it is definitely going to be fun. And then you have to ask, really, um, at this point, the Nets. I mean, the Nets are full strength. Oh, man, they got some weapons on that team. So who who's going to be the team that beats the Nets? Um, Coach Rose, I don't think anybody uh, can beat the Nets. Glad you're back. Um, the Lakers, Lakers-Warriors, who do you have? Uh, I got to go with the Warriors. Uh, the way he's playing right now, it reminds me of uh, how he used to play when he was at Davidson. So, I mean, he's having a great year. And then LeBron's dealing with a, a high ankle sprain injury. And I just mm-hmm. – I, I don't think the Lakers can get it done without a, a, a healthy LeBron. He's going to need to be on the floor at all times to get it done. So, I don't think they'll have that uh, – they'll have that this time around in the playoffs. So, I think I'm going to have to go with the Warriors. Hey, I was right there with you. And, uh, and I, you pretty much mimicked. Or, or echoed my sentiments exactly. So, hey, it's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting because uh, very interesting. You know, if LeBron's out on the floor, I mean, your your whole defense changes. And uh, if he's on the floor, now it, you know, hey, I I got to go and say what we're going to do about LeBron. But but if, if LeBron's not in, who who takes his spot? And it would it would it would be Anthony Davis, but he's he's not a floor general. You know he needs somebody to distribute him the ball. So, right. Even then, the game the game plan would change from that aspect. So it's just, it'd be interesting to see what coaching points would 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 have to take place if things are going to be right. uh, without LeBron. Yeah, yeah. It it is definitely different with LeBron on the floor. And even if LeBron's on the floor, if he's not 100%, that's still going to change what you're going to do defensively. Because um, I was just saying uh, when we lost you that a high ankle sprain football-wise sometimes takes four, six, eight weeks to come back from. And you're not jumping like you are on a basketball court. Exactly. And that four to six to eight weeks is just coming back to play. It doesn't mean it's your hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. So, and then the other thing that's true, which is a testament to, to the way he works, 
I don't know if LeBron's ever been in this position before. Well, all of a sudden, I'm, I have to play with an injury, and because I mean, he's spent most of his career injury free. Very true. Very true. If you looked throughout his career, yep, there probably isn't a single injury or injury yep. as serious as this one. Exactly. Exactly. So. And and it takes a a little mental fortitude of going through it before to be good at going through it this time. Now, some people can, and I know he's a mentally tough dude, so I'll imagine that he'll be there. But, I, hey, there's probably still that thought in the back of his mind, what if I jump this time, come down wrong? And then also you got to think about his age, too. He's you know, not yep. as young as he used yep. to be, so he probably doesn't yep. heal as fast, recover yep. as fast. So that is true because yep. he is in his late thirties now. Yes, sir. So things could just be could just be different a little bit here on out. Mhm. Now, um, as you was coming on, you uh, commented on my statement because I asked who would beat the next, and and I think you said nobody. It's. If there's not a healthy, a healthy LeBron James in the NBA, there is no team that can beat the Brooklyn Nets in a seven-game series. We've seen them lose throughout the regular season, so I'm not saying they can't be beaten. But in a seven-game series, I do not believe that there is a team in the NBA that can beat them. I don't. I think if you got a healthy LeBron, they're still not going to beat them. They got too many weapons over there. I mean, in essence, that's an all-star team. Very true. Very true. Very true. The, the, I, mean, I think the only thing that can beat them, yeah, the only thing that can beat them is they get hurt. If they stay healthy, I don't think anybody can beat them. I don't think anybody can. So, mm. so we'll see. We, we, we're pumping them up. We'll see. And, and you're, and you're absolutely right. Thought, we will see. Part of the thought throughout the years with all those stars, can they win? Well, they showed you they can win. <laughs> they showed you that, hey, we'll get the ball distributed and we're going to do what we got to do to win. And their, their stars show up. So it's uh, – they're pretty good over there now. I'm, I'm anxious to go on and start following when the playoffs get rolling. I just I don't I don't think I've ever seen a team constructed like this before. This might be the right. This no, team this might is, have the most fun. firepower ever. Yeah. yeah, this is LeBron, D Wade, and Bosch, and then you add you know you add a couple. You, then you add uh, uh, God, what's his name? He used to be at the Warriors. I just lost his name. Ray Allen. No, not Ray Allen. At the Warriors, he was the Warriors with uh. Steph. Oh. oh, Clay Thompson? No, he's he's at the Nets. Oh, Kevin Durant. That's what... Yeah, Kevin Durant. That's it. Yeah. I want to say Barnett. Okay, I misunderstood you. So that's that's what happened. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But hey, but yeah, like I said, so so you add you got it's kind of like you got LeBron, D Wade, Bosh, and then you add Doggone Durant on there. I mean, come on, it's it's, it's it, it, and then you got uh oh, you know, I got too many weapons over there, man. Like I said, if they stay healthy, they're gonna walk away with it. They'll walk away with it. They, they sure. are the Warriors. They are the Warriors plus so, so, but hey, we're gonna we're gonna listen to a little bit of Eric Thomas, and then we'll be back in a few minutes. Hold on. Oh, excuses, guys. I wish I could. I wish you could pay me a thousand dollars today. I could tell you. 70% is enough. I wish you could pay me 1500 I wish you could pay me 1500 And I could say to you, 80% is going to get it. I guarantee, give me a 1500 I guarantee you. I guarantee you that I magic wand you and 80% will be equivalent to 100% for you. Boof. But it's not going to happen. So I need you to understand something. You can have it if you want it. But the bigger the dream, the bigger the dream, the bigger the dream, God, the bigger the dream. The bigger the dream, the harder the grind. And can I be honest with you guys? I'm grinding harder now than I've ever grinded before. Somebody said, E.T., somebody called me the other day said, E.T., I don't know if you've been paying attention, and they were right, I haven't. E.T., we've been going online, and if you go on YouTube and you put the best motivational video of all times, right now, E.T., that's your video. E., how do you feel? E.T., 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 I don't know if you did it, but I did it. The top motivational speakers in the world and in some categories, E.T., you're there. You're like number 10, you're number 5, E.T. How do you feel, E.T.? I'm going to be honest with you. It was easier when I wasn't on the list. It was easier because I wasn't focusing. We want people to make guarantees to us, but we're not willing to make guarantees to ourselves. Somebody gave you a guarantee, $30, 30-day guarantee. In 30 days, if, they, if you don't make what they told you was going to make, in 30 days, you got an attitude, you want your money back. But you've never demanded your money back from yourself. What do you do when you're not the only one that wants to make a million dollars in your company? You're not the only one that wants to be the president. You're not the only one that wants to be the CEO. What if you're not the only one that wants what you want? What if there are thousands of other people who want what you want? You have to outwork them. The reason why I'm not successful is because of my boss. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I'm not getting up on time? What do you do when a thousand other people want exactly what you want? You've never looked at yourself in the mirror and said, you let you down. Until you get to that point, you let you down. You've never, you're not brave enough. You want to put it on somebody else. I changed. And I stopped being a victim. I stopped saying, I've got to wait for good things to happen to me. And I said, I'm going to grind. I'm going to fight. I'm going to work. I'm going to press toward. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do everything in my power every single day.
You got to outvine them. You got to get up earlier. You got to stay up later. You got to execute. And you got to go from 70 to 120. And if you create a culture of losing, if you keep being a victim, if you keep letting losing happen to you, if you keep letting people do you and treat you any kind of way, it's going to become a culture. You're probably thinking, E.T., you're doing less now than you did. We're doing more now. Every video, we got a spell check now. We didn't have to spell check this. We can put up, we can misspell it. Nobody cared. They didn't know who I was. Now every single video is being scrutinized. Now every single thing we're doing, people are talking about. Now every single video we do has to be top notch. We go back to the first one. I didn't even say, thank God, it's Monday. I said magical Monday. I have standards. I have values. I don't care how much you pay me. If I speak at an elementary school for $300, I chose to do that. You always want to blame other people. You always want to, you want to hold other people to the fire, but you're not holding yourself to the fire. You owe you an explanation. You need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, why are you only giving 50%? What's wrong with you? You need to put yourself on punishment. For those of you with dreams and goals, I want you to be honest with me. Seven days of a week, seven days of the week, you can honestly say as it relates to your goals, beast mode, you give 120%. Every, every single day you get up 120%. Beast mode. The greatest feeling in the world, guys, the greatest feeling in the world is execution. The greatest feeling in the world is doing what you said you were going to do. There's no greater feeling in the world. I need you to do me a favor. When you leave, I need you to be honest with yourself. I need you to be transparent. I need you to say in my, in my dreams, I'm beast mode. Beast mode, my business plan, beast mode. My income that I have for myself, beast mode. What I want to do for my children, beast mode. In the university, the scores I need, beast mode. I've got to go into beast mode to get it. And I want you to look at your time. And you look at your time and say, ah, gazelle. That's a gazelle right there. You look at your habits, gazelle. And as long as your habits are gazelle, but your mindset is beast, You'll never see it. Listen to me. I would prefer that you have a gazelle. Literally, I would prefer that your, your, your thought pattern, your, your dreams are gazelle. Like I, I would prefer income, gazelle. But what you did every day was beast. And without you saying a word, without you telling the world, if you gazelle tattoo, but you act like a beast, guess what you would get? You would get more than what you bargained for. Because that's what happened to us. All we were doing was videos. We never knew that we would be a global company. We never knew we would be a multi-million dollar company. We never knew we'd have stores in our strut. We never knew we would sell our books in Africa. We never knew our stuff would be in England. We never knew. So we were these small kids doing small stuff. But when you looked at our schedule and our activities, peace modes. Listen to me very closely. If you don't have belief, if you don't have hope, if you don't have faith, you ain't got nothing. The first level to success in the classroom, the first level to success in school, the first level to success in sports, the first level to success in life. Listen to me, the very first level, the very first level is you seeing it. Like it's clear to you. 
Like you know exactly, exactly what you want. You know exactly when you want it. Listen to me. You know exactly what it tastes like. You know what it looks like. You know what it smells like. Before you really blow up, blow up, and you get success, like you literally have it in the palm of your hand without having it. What does your dream look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? Who gave me five grand when I was at Michigan State doing my program? I didn't get a, I didn't have no budget. But I didn't need a budget. I had a dream. I didn't need no help. The president never came and said to me, E.T., we're going to help your program so this institution blow up. The president never came, and I never quit. I never gave up. Why? Because it wasn't her dream in the first place. It was my dream. It was my goal. I don't expect you to believe in my dream like I believe in my dream. And the problem with some of y'all is you want somebody else to support your dream. It's yours. It's yours. It's your dream. If you want it to happen, get your butt up and make it happen. If you want it to happen, rise and grind. And I had a teacher in the PhD program to tell me I love it. She said, Eric, you don't write well enough to get a PhD. I said, thank you. You're going to be the first person I call when I finish and sign you a copy. The people who blew up, they blew up because there was something that was going wrong in their life and they took that pain and they turned that pain into something. How do you go to class when it's 10 degrees and 12 inches of snow? You know how you do it? Because you know your mama broke and she working two jobs and taking on a loan for you to go to school. I laugh at kids whose parents are broke and they up there partying like everybody else. Your mama broke. Some of us, we taking our loans and sending it home so people can pay rent. That money ain't even going to college, and we still going to parties. I'm saying, what kind of brotherhood is that? When you got my man up at 2 o'clock in the morning washing your car and going to get you groceries when you should be helping this kid to study. Listen to me. If you don't have hope, if you don't have faith, if you don't have belief, you ain't got nothing. I want my son to have a better life than I had. I don't want my son begging like I had to beg. I don't want my son to ever think he got to sell dope or he got to steal from the mall. How's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back. Had a little ET rolling there, and now we get an opportunity uh, to talk to April. 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 How's everything going? I'm great today. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? Hey, doing this. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Are you over there in San Diego? Just chilling. I imagine it's probably about what 70 degrees out there, in San Diego. Yeah, it's pretty nice. <laughs> Sunny and warm. <laughs> well, good, 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 good. Well, hey, if you don't mind, please tell us a little about your about yourself and your background. Yeah, so um, I was uh, born in England, raised in the UK by two American parents, so that didn't really fit the norm over there back then. And um, my mom was an entrepreneur, and she owned her own retail store selling furniture, antiques. And um, I have an identical twin, uh, so I grew up with a with an identical twin, 
and learned a lot through that journey. And um, and I saw, I moved out of home at a really young age. So at 16, I wasn't getting along with my stepfather. And so I moved out. And so I had to get my first job in a retail store because retail was a really easy job to get. You know, I didn't need to get a formal college education or anything like that. So um, I started work really, really young, really early, and was just going to do this really until I figured out what I wanted to do just to kind of survive. Anyway, fast forward, let's say 30 years, um, I've worked for amazing retail companies like Starbucks, Gap, uh, Banana Republic, Apple, um, luxury brands, um, and I moved from the UK in my early 20s with my daughter, I had a, a daughter at 23, to Miami um, with Starbucks. And then eight years later, I moved as a single mom with my son and my daughter to Canada with um, the Banana, Banana Republic brand. And then in Canada, I was there for around 16 years and I moved up the ranks in retail. So, you know, originally when I had started off at 16 as a part-time salesperson thinking, what am I gonna do with my life? You know, just moving out of home so young. Um, Mm -hmm. I made it to a senior vice president of a retailer with 250 stores underneath my belt. And that was a company called David's Tea. It was a national chain in Canada. And um, along the way, I I did some, you know, lots of leadership training and reading and kind of taught, you know, self-taught what I needed to do and picked up some certifications later on in my career. But yeah, it's been a journey. I've been around the world and worked with some amazing mega brands and I've had the blessing or you know been fortunate to lead amazing people and inspire many and then um, most recently I started my own company about three years ago um, selling uh, we create leadership development online programs for retailers just after you know my years of experience I put everything to online courses and then wrote a book called the positive effect to kind of hope inspire a new generation leaders like lead differently and just kind of put everything I know and my story into this book to to, to share really in you know the hopes of teaching teaching and sharing my journey that can help others right now first of all I have to ask this going back what was it like to have an identical twin <laughs> it was really I mean people ask me that and I don't I, I don't know any different right so I can only say right. my experience is you know like I had somebody like a, best, a built-in best friend I had somebody to share everything with, so, you know, how you have to teach kids to share. We didn't have to learn that lesson because we had each other. Um, but there was a lot right. of challenges, you know, like comparison, you know, com- competitiveness. Um, she was mm-hmm. like the loud outgoing one. I was the quiet one. But I used to learn a lot by observing what she was doing and kind of going, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it differently. So I, I think I, I learned a lot <laughs> of fundamental skills having a twin sister. Um, but one of right. the things is she didn't really value me as a twin sister, and so that's kind of in the book. So that created a lot of um, room to grow in my life, right? Because your personal experiences uh, kind of shaped you early on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt. Now, I can only imagine if I had a twin, we could have got into some trouble together. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we really did. Uh, we we, we kind of did and we didn't at the same time, you know? <laughs> right. What me? <laughs> uh, oh, wow. So you went from the UK to Miami, Canada, and then recently to California. Yeah. Um, 
and again, all those were with jobs. But how was it transition-wise from the U.K. to the States? And then how was it from Miami? I know besides the weather, from Miami to Canada. I mean, it's transition-wise, it was, I think I was fortunate because I had a job to move with. And that's the one thing I will say about retail. It's like, it's global, hmm. right? So moving, knowing that you have the security of a job in a company that so you're so familiar with gives you kind of this foundation. Um, okay. I think the hardest part of moving is just meeting new people. But again, if you work in retail, I had teams of people that I worked with and customers that I would meet. Well, you know, it's just a, a little bit of organization, being a mom and, and, and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. But I think that change is really good and change will make you grow. And I think that if I hadn't taken those opportunities when they came up, I don't think I would have reached where I was in my career. So, you know, I think it's all a new, it's a new experience, right? So you got to trust um, that you're always going to be okay. So I don't, I, I love, um, I love adventure. <laughs> That's my personality. Right. So for me, it was it was not difficult. And I was fortunate. I had passports, right? Because my mum and dad were American. So I had mm-hmm. kind of people everywhere. And people would say, well, how did you move with one kid and then two kids? And I, I don't know. I, I didn't find it that challenging. It's just, I mean, looking back now, I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many things I could have done differently. But, um, but you know, you just take the opportunity and roll with it. And, and it helps you grow. Right, so. Yep, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Well, good, good. Now the, um, we talked about growing, and I just think of your book, the positive effect. Now, just thinking back, you know, wrote the book. Uh, I know you've talked about it a bunch. What are two or three, two or three key points? Um, that you want people to take from that book? Yeah, I think um, one of the key points, it's obviously written about my journey in retail, right? But it's not just for people in retail. And I think this is um, something that I want people to understand because as much as it's uh, about a career in retail, it's about the obstacles that I've really overcome and how I've done that. And there's real practical examples in there. But the, if I was mm-hmm. going to say top line it, what do I want people to get out of it? It's um, it's really about becoming more self-aware and being conscious of your impact on others. Um, because the reason why it's called the positive effect is my business partner, Jane, who's worked with me for like, I don't know, 15 years now, when we were trying to come up with the name of it, she was like, well, you just have a positive effect everywhere you go with people. And I, and I think that's really um, important because, if we're all interacting with people every day, we can leave people in a space of, you know, positive emotion, negative emotion, or neutral, right? And so right. my journey is in that book, and it talks about that and how to actually have a positive effect on the people that you work with, you live with, you have relationships with, um, and those people you interact with. Because if we're all more, if we're all kinder to each other, if we lift each other up, we'll shift the energy and, and heal more people. And so it really talks about that. And it talks about three pillars within the book of how to actually mm-hmm. go about doing that. Cause it's one thing to say that, but it's like, Oh, I'm having a really bad day. <laughs> and like, 
how am I going to act like this day? How am I going to help? How am I going to have a positive effect on people? So it breaks it down yeah. in a in a kind of a model, which is a leadership model, because I'm speaking to leaders. Because if you lead people or you interact with people, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. You do have to right. act a certain way to be a leader. So you could be mm-hmm. somebody in a team of somebody and apply these principles and be that leader that creates that positive environment, right? So it's really becoming really self-aware of how you interact with people and why that matters. That really is the essence of the book. Got it. Got it. um, And, you know, just thinking of positive and um, Jalen Rhodes, uh, he actually played for me when I was at UTSA. And our office of coordinator, he said something once that made a lot of sense. He was talking about, you sitting in here talking about you have to go to practice. You don't have to go to practice. You get to go to practice. Mm. A lot of people, they could go to practice, but they can't. They don't have the opportunity that you have. And, you know, there's times that I sort of use that myself versus, or saying that, hey, I don't have to take my son to practice. I get to take my son to practice. So there's a lot of times I didn't have to. So just, you know, that's just one of the things that, as, as we just talked about the positive effect, that's, that sort of stuck out in my mind that I've picked up. Now, now Jay, yeah, do you I mean, remember that? Oh, yes, sir. I, I remember it vividly, uh, and I believe that is uh, a very true statement, very true, and it's something that we all need to you know, apply to our lives. Yeah. I'm sorry, but what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, on the last page of the book, there's a quote in there. I'm probably going to get it wrong because I don't have the book in front of me, but it's my favorite quote, and it says, be the type of energy that no matter where you are and who you interact with, that you leave people feeling um, better about themselves, like more positive, you know? Like, we all have the power to do that, right? We have a decision every day on how we act and behave with others. We can either lift them up yes. or not. Yeah. Nice. Now, how? Another. I'm sorry, Jim. Another thing. Um, obstacles. What mm-hmm. is? What are your thoughts? Obstacles. Well, they're real. <laughs> they <laughs> exist. <laughs> you can't avoid them. You kind of got to embrace them and then think about what you're learning from it. You know, like, so I, I think that that's, that's how I look at obstacles. I'm always looking at obstacles of like, and I'm always asking that question is like, what am I supposed to learn from this and how can I grow from it? Because if, I just kind of bury my head in the sand and avoid them. Um, then I'm not, I'm not kind of polishing myself, right? Like if you think about like a, you know, like getting better at who you are and becoming a, a stronger person and overcoming things, you, you can't kind of put your head in the sand. You got to embrace those obstacles, mm-hmm. and there's always a lesson to be learned, right? And I think that it's right. being coming up with good solutions and. Um, 
whatever that may be. And it's, I, like, people look at me and they go, oh, you've had such an amazing career and you're all this and all that. And I'm like, yeah, man, no idea the stuff that I had to overcome, like, personally and professionally. You know, a woman going into the C-suite, like, uh, a single mom with two kids, like, a mom of um, biracial kids, like, like, all kinds of stuff. So, um, you know, being an English person in America, just language being different, all kinds of stuff. So, but it right. makes you stronger, right? It makes you have resilience. And then it, and it gives you a story to share. A lot of, sometimes we're here and we go through things so that we can have a story to share and inspire other people. I don't really think I thought about that when I was actually going through things. But now when I reflect back on things, um, it helps people because it makes you relatable. So I think that those obstacles are there and, and kind of see them as gifts. Don't see them as um, – it's, it's a, a matter of perspective, right? Right, exactly. Exactly, and that, and that is true. That is so true, because it's there's definitely times when um, you just wonder. Because one one of the things I believe is God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh no! And yeah, yeah, that's true. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And He's always there to remind you as well, right? Like I have these experiences yeah. in life where I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's why I'm here. Um, yeah. So and, he don't give you more than you can like, handle. Well, sometimes you're like, well, well, God, I think you got too much confidence in me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep fighting. Oh. <laughs> I've had those conversations before. <laughs> yeah. Why me? Why do I have to be the one that does it? You know, it's funny. I mean, one of the biggest obstacles I think I had to overcome in my career was feeling like, I wasn't educated enough to be an executive because I didn't go through uh, a college education, right? I left home at 16 and then just got a job in retail. And um, I always felt like everybody else was smarter in the room with the numbers and the this and the that after their name. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my own hurdle. I had to get over that because at the end of the day, I've got so much life experience and I did the job so I could help people because I, I understood. And um, yeah, we just have to right. get ourselves out of the way sometimes. Yep, that's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Now, as as a leader, what do you think um, are a couple of characteristics that you have to be able to portray as a leader um, to be effective? You gotta like people. If you don't like people, you shouldn't be leading them. That's something I always say, and so. With that comes a responsibility to make sure that people around you feel supported. Like in all the years that I've led people, whenever they feel good about the leader they're working for, they will always say they feel supported. Always. And then breaking down what support looks like is different for different people. But I talk about this in the first pillar in the book of being a leader that, that demonstrates acceptance acceptance for others, acceptance for yourself, um, but really accepting all kinds of people and and creating a space where people don't feel judged, that they can really feel themselves. And to do that as a leader, you have to be really curious. You have to be interested in other people's best interests versus yourself. And you have to not make assumptions and judge and be a neutral person. And that is very hard for most people. Um, Right. Because, you know, they've had life experiences and things have shaped them or they've been told to think a certain way. And so 
a lot of times when I'm working with leaders, I get them to a place of like letting go of all their pre-assumptions and just help them become more of a neutral space to hold space right. for others so that they can be their best. And that to me is so important, you know, mm-hmm. it's yep, huge. That's true. That is very um, true. And then I think, I think a second, a second part is, um, is being a teacher and a coach. I think if you're going to lead people, you've got to be able to be passionate about teaching and passing on knowledge and mentoring others um, so that you can help them become better skilled, better qualified, have opportunities, um, and help them get ahead. Because you're only as good as the people around you when you're a leader. It's not about you. So that's, that's, um, you gotta, and that's a skill, right? You've got to learn how to be a good listener. You've got to learn how to coach and ask good questions. Um, but you can develop that over time. But if you're not really passionate about teaching and coaching and creating space for people to be themselves, then I think you're going to have a hard time leading others. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Uh, a lot of um, kind of what we're talking about is some of the stuff is what we think has to be, and it's going to come out somehow. Um, how important do you think your thoughts are, whether it's positive, negative, um, and can we train ourselves or retrain ourselves to think a different way? A hundred percent we can train ourselves to think a different way. Um, I'm going to go back to the book again because the second pillar in the leadership model of ACT, which is accept, create, teach, create is all about what you think about comes about because I truly believe, and I've experienced this in my own life, that we have a lot of self-negative talk and we're not really aware of it because it's kind of subconscious things that we've picked up along the way. I think there's a stat, I can't, I'm probably going to say the number wrong, but there's like, say we have 8,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those thoughts are negative, and tomorrow's thoughts are going to be 80% repetitive of the thoughts from today. So if you really think about that, you've got this negative self-talk kind of running in the background all the time that's working on your behalf that you don't even realize is running. And so you have to really pay attention to this, and you have to start thinking and, and talking differently to yourself. Like, people might think I'm a crazy person, but I talk to myself all the time positively I say things like great things are going to happen today all day and I was talking to my 23 year old daughter about this and we were talking about not having there's a time for idle thought but not having idle thought and actually using that time when you think you're not thinking about things sometimes to start having positive Mm -hmm. chatter with yourself and um, I'm a big believer in meditation I started meditating in my 20s and it's the one thing that when I do it consistently I get a better result in my life. It's like going to the gym, right? If you're an athlete and you're working out, you're going to, if you're doing the work, you're going to get a result, right? You're going to be a, a better performer in whatever sport it is that you're doing. It's the same with our mind. It's just the reason why we don't exercise that in our mind, I think, is because it's just not something that people physically see. So right. we think it's not that important because we live in a world that's be real of, like, what's on the outside matters, Right. But mm. you can't neglect what's going on internally in your mind. And you, you absolutely can retrain your thoughts, just like you can learn to, you know, shoot a basketball hoop. Yep, this is true. Even though some, some can still shoot it better than others. Yeah, 
And well, I'm not, maybe because um, they were out there doing it for two hours more than the other person, right? It could be. A bit of will and skill. This is true. This is true. So so you said we have 8,000 thoughts a day and 80% are negative? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have a meditation wow. teacher, actually, that does meditation courses with the leaders uh, in the Retail You programs. Um, and she teaches all of this stuff. And it's kind of when you think about that, you're like, oh, my God, why wouldn't I meditate and do, put more positive things in? Like, that's kind of scary, right? Yep, it is. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And the and then the second part of that was how many how many percent is repeated the next day? Eighty percent. Eighty percent? So eighty percent negative. Yeah. And eighty percent of those thoughts will be repeated the next day. Yeah. Yeah, without you (sighs) even thinking about it. So you know, what you think about comes about. Like you if you had to if you had to create something like the person that created, let's say, a car, he had to think about the car before he created it, right? Like he had to think about the whatever before he created it. So our thoughts are creating things all the time. Um, we're just not paying attention to all of that subconscious thoughts that are going on mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, i got to start creating some more thoughts in my mind, some positive <laughs> thoughts. Well, they don't teach this ready. stuff in they don't teach us this stuff in school, right? Like it's like we have to go through and right. figure out why things aren't working. You know, I wish they would start teaching this in younger high schools. I wish I knew this earlier on. You know, right, right. Well, hey, well, this is something that we we definitely I'm looking forward to, to getting with you to. I, I would like to go on and start implementing some of this stuff into uh, what we're doing with our kids. Again, mm-hmm. hey. We can get them thinking more positively, um, having them thinking about how they impact other people that they're around. Hey, we're going to go on and and help these kids be great and very successful. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. So important. They're all future leaders, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, um, all right, now I know you've just been in Canada, but just I'm just sort of thinking of something off of that from a political standpoint. Can you have this mindset and not get corrupted by politics? I'm not saying that every politician is corrupt, <laughs> but but I know that you know sometimes there's got to be some give and take in there. Um, so at times you're probably not going with something that you totally believe in, but you're like, okay, to get this passed, I got to do that. But can you have that thought process? What do you think? You know what? I don't know. I don't talk about politics. (laughs) (laughs) I moved to the U S and everybody around me is talking about politics. And in Canada, nobody really does. So it's such a, big conversation and I'm not an expert in it by any means so I kind of I'm like "Mm, I don't really have an opinion on it to be honest I think if you're a good person you're a good person and if you do the right thing and if that in your own perspective in your own perspective if what's driving you is a good intention for others then you Mm -hmm. may be missing the mark but you may not realize it 
So it's hard, right? So it's like, again, trying to, let's say I'm, I have to demonstrate what I've talked, what I've written about, right? And I try and stay in a non-judgmental place because I think love is the highest energy that heals everything. And I'm not saying people don't do bad things and that they shouldn't, you know, whatever. They shouldn't be, um, shouldn't get, you know, well, like there shouldn't be consequences for it. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 you know, my daughter said something to me the other day. It's funny. She's 23. And she said, mom, you don't really have strong opinions about things. I used to really kind of annoy me. Cause I'm like, why doesn't my mom have strong opinions? <laughs> you know, what do you really <laughs> think? And then, and then well, she said that to me when, when she was 19, but like a couple of days ago, she said, Oh, I totally get you now why you don't do that because you're just kind of demonstrating being um, open to, most people in kind and she's like and actually I really appreciate that now she goes I just didn't really get it when I was younger and I was like oh finally she gets me you know I was like because yeah <laughs> so I, I don't you know I don't really have an opinion on that so I was kind of out right. but yeah uh, hey, I didn't either so it's just when you said it I was just like hmm. yeah um, I mean I think you just have to yeah, yeah go back to neutral you know yeah, I'm not. I have, really an, I have an opinion on people treating. I have an opinion on people treating other people poorly, <laughs> but yes. in politics, Definitely. I don't. I don't think people are yeah. doing it. A lot of people are just doing their job, right? I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. But one last question: What yeah. piece of advice give to a young person that has aspirations of being successful? And again, that definition of success is different for everybody but field what advice would you give them as they strive to, to reach that success I think um, really trust yourself a lot of times we're looking for answers especially now there's like this person on Instagram saying do this and you'll become this overnight and do that and you can you know I have a 17 year old right so I watch the influence and I think at the end of the day, we're all here with a gift. Each one of, every single person has a gift. And nobody can tell you what that is, and nobody can tell you how to use it. So I think the more that you kind of believe in yourself and trust yourself and, and really foster that, the faster you're going to figure out what it is that you're here to do. And the more that you do that, you will be successful. And also think about there's two, two different ways of living life. One is being in service to yourself to get success. Nothing wrong with that. And being in service to others. And that being in service to others is going to generate energy that's going to come back to you tenfold. So I always think about that. Like what are you doing to add value to other people in your community or your friends or your parents or whatever, wherever you are in your community, because that's always going to help you build more confidence and kind of foster more opportunities because you're open and you're not self-serving. So I think those two things, you know, be in service to others and really trust yourself. Figure that out. It took me a long time to trust myself. I think, I think, um, still, I think it's still a work in progress every day, but Right. realizing the times in my life where I was the most successful and the decisions I made, it was because I wasn't listening to somebody else telling me what I should do. It was because I got quiet enough to sit down and actually trust myself. 
Now, why do you think we don't trust ourselves enough? That's like a loaded question. Um, I think, (laughs) why don't we trust ourselves? Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Why don't we trust ourselves? Uh, You know, part of me says because we're just so easily influenced by others. And I think sometimes we get influenced by people that really don't, we don't care what they think, but we are influenced by them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes it's like you're unsure of your decision, right? And you just want to get validation from other people. Um, So, yeah, we are influenced by others. We do think other people have the answers, but they don't. Um, I'm not saying don't take feedback and don't accept and don't consult. You've got to have people around you that you trust, right? But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you own every decision in your life. So you better be happy with it and you better be confident in it. Yep. And, and you know what? I think what you just said, um, a lot of people don't really take into account that you own every decision that you make. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of times that we blame other people for our decisions versus yep. just taking accountability. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Because for whatever reason, um, yeah, it's it's a lot to swallow, right? Right. You right. want to ha- have somebody else to kind of say they did this because then it's like, oh, it wasn't me. But mm. bottom line, you have to, you're the one that has to live with yourself every day. <laughs> exactly. Internally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, it's mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Great thoughts. Well, April, we definitely appreciate you joining us. It's been a great conversation, and, and hopefully sometime we'll be able to get you back on again. Because oh, uh, thank you. one of the things, and one of the things we definitely want to do is is partner with you um, on this deal where you are helping kids, you know, get into the retail business and help place them with jobs. So mm-hmm. hey, hopefully we can grow and we can continue to increase the impact that we have on others. One hundred percent. If we can make, if if we can support in any way, or I can support in any way, helping young people get jobs, and you know, I really promote retail as a really great career. People think of it as an uneducated career, but I, you know, made a really good living and traveled around the world with it. So, you know, not many people right. can say that about their job, right? So, yeah, I can. It's, uh, love to help you guys. Okay, sounds good, sounds good. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, it is. She caught me by surprise, I must say, because I never have seen such a pretty face with such a warm and beautiful smile. It wasn't hard for me to notice the style. I was fascinated. She took my heart and held it for me I wouldn't let her get away Not until she heard me
conversation with April and uh man she has some good things to say man I, I that's uh even from from a leadership standpoint from just a mental standpoint a lot of good things that that she laid on us agreed yes sir so it's and it's hey one of the, one of the things she talked about you can retrain your mind retrain yes. so one of the things that uh I'm working to do to retrain Jalen Rhodes' mind because he, for some reason, likes the Dallas Cowgirls. So I got to work on retraining his mind um, to get him to come over to his first team. Those are some strong words. There's no retraining that could be done. I'm a Cowboys fan through and through. 
Well, good. Well, how did you how do you feel about the guys that you are added to the roster? What what is your thoughts on that? Uh, I I I'm overall I'm overall pleased with how we went about the draft this year. I I didn't pay attention to it too much, so I don't know the names, but I I, I do know the positions that we drafted from, and. Right. I mean, previous years, I feel like we've we've done a bad job not going after DBs or anything like that, or like a single DB or certain things like that. But this year, I think we did a good job stacking, looking to get more defensive players and stuff like that. Because we we came out last draft and got CD and and added to our weapons, and we also uh, paid Dak this offseason. So I think we did a good job picking up a few defensive players. I know uh, Micah Parsons just. I feel like he'll be a good fit, especially with Sean Lee uh, retiring. So, mm-hmm. I, think, I think I think Jerry and the boys they did they did a good job. They did a good job this time okay. around. They did good. Well, hey, well you know my Steelers, we had, we took care of a need that we had. Yeah, we y'all got to I'm a, I'm a bit jealous. So why are you jealous? I'm I mean, you jealous. got a great running back already. Oh yeah, yeah, no. Nah. Zeke is great. I just feel like Zeke has gotten a bit complacent. Well, hey, here, here's the here's the tough thing in the NFL. Um, I believe most of the time when those guys get to their second contract, it is now it's. 95 to 100% business and 5 to 0% love of the game. I believe that. So so now it's, hey, it, it's all business now. So is he complacent or are you like, hey, this is a business. This is my job. That's, I'm going to do what I got to do and that's it. Versus truly loving the game. Um, again, that's just my opinion. Um, and, I'm, you know, some, that's not everybody. But but I think for a good portion of them, that's that kind of what happens. And unfortunately, most guys don't get to that second contract at all. And I think that's part of what makes it that way because it's such a cutthroat business, um, especially at the running back position. Because a lot of running backs, they're saying, hey, I can sign this guy for this much money or I can go get a rookie that got not as much juice on them. So I'm gonna get a rookie, and, uh, and so I said, I said that's very yeah. true, and and you and you know with our position, it's running back is a dime a dozen, but once you get to that level, it's very rare that there's you know what I'm saying they're they're more alike than different is, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Right, right, right. No doubt, no doubt. And <clears throat> hey. Now, there's some special ones out there. There's some that's been around for a long time. I mean, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, I mean, those dudes lasted a long time. Um, And it's different than it was 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, the the good backs were in the league 10, 12 years. And it wasn't just the great backs, it was the good backs. Now, you know, if you're just a good back, you might not make it back, or you might not get to that second contract. Um, so it's hey, it's interesting. 
It's interesting. Um, but here's a stat that I heard a couple weeks ago um, talking about if you take out the top 10% of longevity-wise guys in the NFL, so take out your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees's, um, you know, guys that's been in there 15-plus years, the average stay in the NFL is about 10 and a half months. Now, of course, if you add those guys back in, it's 3.3 years, 10 and a half months. That's not a long time. Not a long time at all. So at all. that is something you got to think about, which, which sort of makes me more passionate about what we do with the West Foundation. Um, you know, just want kids to be in position to be successful if I make it or not. Work your behind off to do it, to make it. I got to make sure that I'm taking care of some other things as well because, as you know, the sport's going to end at some point. And at that point, what you're going to do next, even for Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Drew Brees, right, what is he going to do now? He got to figure that out. Um, now, he was fortunate enough to, to be, what is he, 40, 41? Um, so to do this for 20 years. Uh, but most people don't have that opportunity. But regardless, the sport's going to end at some point. So when that happens, Hopefully, they've thought about what I'm going to do next. Hopefully, they've thought about that, hey, I'm Everett Sands and I play football. Because when football goes, I'm still Everett Sands. And, and I think a lot of them, it's I play football and my name is Everett Sands. So then when football's gone, okay, what do I do now? Who am I? I don't know who I am without this sport. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Um, And truth be told, you know, the really good ones, you sort of put yourself in that mindset. I think it takes a a maturity level to go on and say, step back and say, hey, okay, I am am who I am and I play this sport versus I play this sport and I am who I am. Um, Does that make any sense? Now that makes perfect sense. I'll, I'll follow right along. Right, right. And it's safe. And, and it's something that it has to be talked about. Not many people come to that realization without somebody mentioning that to them. Because you're so in, in just engulfed in being the best that you can be that that's not really part of your mentality. Um, Correct. So, and that's why one of the things that we want to do is just just bring it up. Hey, I, you just got to start thinking about that. Um, because, as you know, sometimes football doesn't love you back. I love yep. it, but it don't love me. Back. And when it doesn't love you back, all of a sudden, am I good enough? Yes, I'm good enough. But guess what? I got hurt. Uh, I got dinged up. So I wasn't able to perform the way I, I know I'm able to perform. And then, so it's uh, 
it's a mental game. It's, a, it's definitely a mental game. And, and I think that um, having these conversations would definitely help um, not only once they finish playing, but also help them while they're playing. Right, just kind of prepare them mentally. Exactly. You know, because I think sometimes guys are like, hey, uh, that thought of, well, what if I don't do well? Or what if I go out there and get hurt? Or they put so much pressure on themselves that I got to do well, and they start messing up. Um, But I just think the mental part of things is a huge part of whatever sport that you're playing. And being able to separate yourself from the sport, and I shouldn't let me I shouldn't say separate yourself, but putting yourself in a position where I am me, and that's what I do, versus that's who I am. So put another way. I'm a football Hello. player named Jalen Rhodes, or I'm Jalen Rhodes, and I play football. I'm, I think, yeah, yeah, the second way. <laughs> yeah, it's a big exactly. difference. Yep, yep. But again, if you never talk about it, um, then hey, it's going to be more than likely to be the first way. Uh, again, just just because hey, I'm the, I'm going to grind to be the best that I can be. And that's why I used to always say, I want guys that want to play on Sundays. Because if you want to play on Sundays, you're going to do what it takes. Or it'll be easier for me to get you to do what it takes to be the best that you can be. You know, so I want the guy that wants that. If you have somebody that don't want to be the best that he can be, chances are you're not going to get the best out of him. So having that guy, big time. What did you say? I'm sorry. Uh, I said if he doesn't have aspirations to push himself, like his mindset's predetermined. I'm gonna just get by. I'm just gonna do what I have to do right. to not be bothered. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And and unfortunately, there's a lot of guys that's out there, um, and not just in the athletic world. But in the work world, there are guys that say, hey, I'm just doing what I got to do so they don't bother me. That's it. I'm, I'm not going to do too much. I'm not going to do too little. So I'm going to do what I got to do so they leave me alone. So nowhere near of meeting his potential. And I think that's a disservice, not to yourself, not just to yourself, but to your family and to, to wherever you're working. So go on and give it everything you have. Um, you've heard me say this before. My kids hear it all the time. I don't care if you are the best. Just do your best. And I think if you do that, you're going to put yourself in a position to be successful. And that's what we're striving to do. We want we want to help and want to see our kids be successful. And, and again, success has many different definitions, um, depending on the person. But uh, – you got to grind and find what whatever that definition is, and you got to define it yourself. And let's go get it. Let's go get it. So, 
But hey, man, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, it's been good. A lot of great conversation. Um, as you prepare for the summer, I imagine you all got about uh, 13 days before you all start all these camps. <clears throat> so, yes, sir. Uh, enjoy your time because I know you you know to be on the road, but you can't be on the road right now. So enjoy your time and get ready to cry. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, man, we, we, uh, we're going to go on and get off here tonight. Uh, and then please remember June 26th, we will have our free football and chilling camp. Hopefully you can make it down, uh, Jalen. Um, it'll be at Conway Rec Center. <clears throat> and, again, it is a free camp. And then for all my golfers, small business owners that would like to be a sponsor, <clears throat> we will have a golf tournament on June the 4th. That would be at the Hackler Golf Course, which is Coastal Carolina, which is on Coastal Carolina's campus. Um, we have room for more golfers, so definitely love to have you if you want to get out and play. And then also uh, we have some room for more sponsors as well. But definitely want to uh, thank you all for joining us tonight, and we will see you all next week. Take care. If this world were mine.
Yeah. 